Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on Homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe... You want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. And first pitch crushing Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Is it time to drop Alec Manoa? Who is this Michael Waka? Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on Tuesday, May 16th. I am Frank Sample, joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Today on the show, we're going to recap all of Monday's action Time to fire up the dropometer, team name Tuesday, and much more. Before we get started, please like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five star rating on Apple or Spotify. Chris, I know you got to see Taylor Swift this weekend. How was it, buddy? Magnificent. Just incredible. I mean, whew, if if you get a chance and you have way too much money burning a hole in your pocket. I highly recommend going to see these shows. That's all. That's all. But whew, that was that was a heck of a show. I just knew that you would be like pretty animated about it. I, I don't I couldn't name five Taylor Swift songs, but I did spend way too much money on Metallica tickets coming in August. So I mean, look, we all we all got our vices. We all do. We know? all do. Uh, anyway, let's get into it. I don't believe it. And let's start off with Scotty. Who is your Me? player of the night? Moi? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't think this is the Olive Garden breadstick. Chris claimed that for himself. So I will go with Alec Manoa, who at this point, like, you see a line like he put up today. And you don't even say, oh, my goodness gracious anymore, because it just keeps happening. Right. <laughs> but uh, it was bad. It was real bad for Alec Manoa. He 
gave up five earned runs in four innings, two home runs, seven walks. That gives him now, of, of his nine starts this year, six have had four walks or more. If you remember, that started out as the issue for Alec Manoa. Everything else looked pretty okay, but the walks were too high. Ah, he'll figure that out. But now, like, the swinging strike rate has crashed. Um, he's, he's getting knocked around every start. Like, in addition to not being able to locate his pitches, his slider seems to have lost all his bite. And there's just... You, you look under looking under the hood at Alec Manoa there, there there's nothing reassuring there at all. Um, so what do we do about this? Obviously he was a big investment for you. He was probably one of the top two starting pitchers you drafted in most cases. And for good reason. I mean, he had been since he first arrived in the big leagues in 2021, he had been basically a must start pitcher. And there was no reason to believe, you know, maybe he wouldn't repeat a 220 ERA again, but there was no reason to believe this was coming. And um, so what do we do with him? Like, I, I think, you know, just like I said after his last start, I think you just plan him on your bench and you hope things turn around because I, I think you're too invested to drop him. I think baseball and, and you know, part of the difficulty in forecasting baseball numbers is that the slightest little adjustments can make a huge difference. And a lot of times what, what changed even goes unreported. We never find out exactly what it was, but suddenly the picture, the pitcher, just as quickly as he was broken, he was fixed. And uh, if that happens with Alec Manoa, you'll feel like a, freaking idiot for dropping him and you should because this caliber of player just deserves more patience is the bottom line um so i would recommend holding on to him there will come a point where if this continues i'll stop recommending that but i don't think we're there yet the overall numbers so far for alec manoa 5.40 era a 1.80 whip uh, almost as many strikeouts as walks, 35 strikeouts to 32 walks so far this season. And even the underlying numbers, the FIP is 6.45, the XFIP is 6.11. I uh, had Alec Manoa as part of the drop-o-meter for later. It sounds like Scott has him you know, virtually a zero, a one on the drop-o-meter. Chris? Well, I want to I go that far. All right, well, well then where, where would you put him, Scott? Well, uh, 10, um, 10 is a player you could drop in any league, and you know, one is someone you, you need to hold it. on to. I'll go four for Manoa. Okay. Chris, same question. Drop a meter on Alec Manoa. Do you want an honest answer? Yeah. Yeah, usually. I got nothing. <laughs> like, I, I just, I have nothing to say about Alec Manoa. Like, we have a not overwhelmingly long track record, but a decent one. We're talking, what, 55 starts, 51 starts before this season with a Two seven career ERA. I generally tend to default to the larger sample size being more indicative and predictive of what a player is going to do moving forward than whatever small sample size, even the most recent one. I don't think the nine most recent performances by any player are necessarily the most indicative thing of what they're going to do moving forward. But like Scott said, there is nothing. I can point to and say, yeah, this feels good. Here's, here's something Alec Manoa is doing. Well, there's absolutely nothing. I guess he's not getting hit that hard. 
You know, his average exit velocities allowed is only 89.1 miles per hour this season, which is about average. So there's something positive to be said about Alec Manoa. He's average at one thing so far. I don't know. Uh, If you want to drop him, I can't tell you not to. Like That's a decision that you have to make. All I can tell you is what I will do, which is thankfully not have Alec Manoa on any of my teams because I don't, but I would not be able to drop him if I did. If you can't stand the sight of him on your roster anymore, you should drop him. I think the likeliest outcome is that will end up being a mistake. I think the likeliest outcome is Alec Manoa will figure something out and become an effective pitcher again. But, you know, I'm looking at like last year's leaderboards through the first eight or so starts, and there's not a lot of the worst pitchers who ended up turning things around. I think the most optimistic one would probably be Tyler Malley, who had a 589 ERA through his first eight starts and ended up with like a mid threes ERA for his next 15 or so before the injuries. But, you know, Robbie Ray sort of figured it out. It kind of feels a little like that last year, right? But it also feels kind of like Jose Barrios last year, and he never really figured it out. You know, he was kind of mediocre to bad for the rest of the season. He's looked better this year, but I can't tell you not to drop him. I can't was- give you an I can't give you an affirmative case for why you should not drop Alec Manoa beyond just these nine most recent starts are not the entirety of his career. They are not the only information we have access to. And generally speaking, a 51 start sample size should be more predictive than a nine start one. That's all I got. Chris, did you have a number on the drop meter, by the way? Once ten. <laughs> it was like two minutes for not having anything. <laughs> two <laughs> the, for the amount of minutes. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I, I'll, I'll split the difference. I'll, I'll say a three. I think, Deep release, oh, you got to hold. Now I'm the one who's most likely to Wow, Scott. Wow, Scott. What did, what did Alec Manoa do to you? Um, <laughs> look, in 10-team leagues, if he's absolutely the worst pitcher on your team and you just, you're never going to use him and no one else is going to pick him up, sure. That's like, yeah, you could drop him there. But I think in standard 12-size t- uh, leagues, 12-team leagues with like five bench spots, just plant him and, and wait, and I, I pretty much agree with what you had to say there, Scott. Uh, oh, my goodness gracious, Chris, we'll move over to you, a player of the night. Uh, yeah, the Olive Garden breadstick is pretty obviously Jack Flaherty, who if you had asked me the drop meter on him after his last start, I probably would have said an 8 or a 9. And so that's... I think I said 10. You probably yeah. weren't here, but... So I I that's 10. kind of a case for Alec Manoa, although... I'm going to be honest. I don't necessarily believe that Jack Flaherty's just fixed now, but a lot of positive signs in this one. 93.7 mile per hour average fastball velocity, second highest of his season. Uh, got at least four whiffs on the curveball, the slider, and the four seam fastball. First double digit strikeout game since September of 2020. Uh, longest outing in. Almost exactly two years. I think it was May 7th, 2021, the last time he went seven full innings. It was an extremely impressive performance uh, from Jack Flaherty, and it came completely out of nowhere. I don't know. Like, yeah, he was pitching mad maybe after not liking the questions he was receiving about his velocity last time. Maybe Wilson Contreras is now Yadier Molina after a week of 
awkward conversations in the Cardinals dugout. I have no idea what to make of this performance by Jack Flaherty, except to say that it's the kind of performance we needed to see from him because I think all of us were probably just about ready to give up on him for good after the way uh, I mean, the season I, started. I, I had dropped him in an FBC, or um, yeah. I'm sorry, in TGFBI, 15-team Roto League just this last week. I was, I was out. I was done. Just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. If nothing else, this is the kind of performance that if, if Jack Flaherty was dropped in your league, it makes him worth picking yes, up again. Absolutely. I mean, every, in every way, it could be good. It was good. And, you know, I was trying to figure out why, what happened here. As best I could tell, you, you know, the velocity was up a little bit. You mentioned that, Chris. Mm-hmm. And just Although- from watching... He averaged right around what he did in his second start of the season when he had decent results, but didn't actually pitch well. It it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like unfamiliar levels for Jack Flair. He was just a little up from a season average. Uh, Watching the highlights, it seemed like he did a good job of changing the eye level of the hitter with both the the breaking balls and the fastball. Um, And so maybe like, you know, maybe a lot of it is just he needed a better plan for attack and he found it. I think part of that, too, is he threw two-thirds of his pitches for strikes in this one when his season average coming in was 58.1, just dreadful. So, you know, you can you could do things like uh, uh, set up hitters better when you're throwing strikes. That's hard to do when you're not. Uh, but it was, you know, part of it, too, was first three, like he loaded the batter, I he loaded he loaded the bases in the first inning, I believe, with a hit and two walks. So like that got all the base runners out of the way right then. And maybe <laughs> from that point, he was pitching angry. I don't know. But this is and, and Chris already made this connection. This is part of what gets to what I was saying with Alec Manoa. The the frustration of predicting uh performances in baseball is that. It, it, it can be like the flip of a switch for, for a player that you know has talent. And certainly we've seen that before from Flaherty. Certainly we've seen it before from Manoa. Something can change that just locks everything into place and suddenly they're fixed. I can't say for sure that that's happened with Flaherty. I'm a little skeptical. My, my, yeah, my the guess would this be gone so far, but my guess it, would be it's not. Be. Yeah. Okay. That's fair, but it could be. And yeah. that's why. That's why you hold on to Manoa, and that's why you take the chance on Flaherty if, if he happens to be out there now. Well, based on what you just said, Scott, let's say Alec Manoa is the worst pitcher on your team. Do you no. drop him for Jack Flaherty? No, no. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I, mean seen... I, I wouldn't do it either, but... Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, one thing I noticed for Jack Flaherty in this start was uh, the curveball usage. It was up, and entering this start... Hit, that curveball had a 50% whiff rate uh, entering Monday, and it was really great in this start as well. Seven whiffs, 38% CSW. So uh, perhaps that's something that Jack Flaherty can build on. Throw strikes, limit walks, use that curveball. Again, the velocity being up did help once again. Oh my goodness gracious for me is Michael Waka, who took a no-hitter into the eighth inning up against the Kansas City Royals. He did uh, wind up giving up a hit to the first batter he faced, but winds up seven shutout, one hit, one walk, 11 strikeouts, which is a new career high for Michael Waka. 18 swinging strikes on 103 pitches. 10 of those coming on the changeup, which was an awesome pitch for him and frankly has been his best pitch for the past couple of years or so. Uh, When he did allow contact, he did allow a lot of hard contact in this one. uh, 94.6 miles per hour off the bat. But... 
his previous two starts, he did a great job of limiting hard contact. And uh, overall this season, that's something that Michael Walker has done well. Uh, he's allowed just one earned run over his last three starts, so seems to be locked in and doing something right. Michael Walker is up to 64% rostered. I assume most people probably picked him up because they think he has a two-start week. I, on CBS, it doesn't show him having two starts because... Ryan Weathers got called up, but I think Michael Walker actually is going to have two starts this week. Yeah, Weathers got sent down, so yeah. I think so. Um, yeah, you mentioned one earned run combined in his last three starts. Also, just six hits combined in 19 innings. So he has been he has been un, close to unhittable during a three start stretch. Now, this was the first of those three starts that where I was actually like, wow. Look what he did, 11 strikeouts, 18 whiffs. We have a long track record of Michael Waka being mediocre at best. He did have a 332 ERA last year in what was basically two-thirds of a season, 23 starts. But we were all pretty skeptical of that then. I don't think we ever fully bought in. And um, I'd need to see more of this from Waka, I think, to buy in now. I'd need to see more... 15 plus swinging strikes more than a strikeout per inning before I'm on board with him as a fantasy asset. Yeah. I mean, you said unhittable, but the, the, there's a semantic thing there because he was quite hittable. He had seven strikeouts and 12 innings in the previous two starts. He was un get a hit against a bull perhaps, <laughs> which is a, you know, a, a different thing. And, and there's some skill to that, but I think generally speaking, we don't think there's all that much skill to it. And yeah, like, like you said, I think this is probably the second impressive outing of Michael Walker season. Uh, you know, I, I, he had a 10 strikeout one walk game back on April 8th against the Braves. You could argue that's actually more impressive than 11 strikeouts against the Royals. He followed that one up with uh Let's see, 15 earned runs in 13 and a third innings over his next three starts. So, yeah, I, I think skepticism is the uh, order of the day for Michael Waka uh, at this point. I I believe I did start Grayson Rodriguez over him in a two-start week for Rodriguez uh, in, I want to say, Tower. So, feeling kind of dumb about that one, but even so, I, I don't see much to get excited about with Waka. More on Grayson Rodriguez in just a little bit, but uh, when it comes to Waka, who would you rather have if you could just add one, Jack Flaherty or Michael Waka? Flaherty. Chris? Yes. Yeah. Flaherty. And I'm, in a like in a deep enough scenario, I'm I'm okay adding Waka. I think I started saying Walker, but I was trying to say <laughs> Waka. I'm okay adding Waka. Like I don't know if you're dropping. Who's somebody pretty scrubby that might be rostered? We would have uh, said Jack Flaherty before today. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, uh, I mean, like... Um, here, here's one. Know, like Here, Sean Manaya. If you got Sean Manaya on your roster for some reason, okay, take if, a flyer on Waka. If you got... If you don't have an IL spot, would you drop Nick Lodolo? Uh, no. No, I'd hold on to Nick Lodolo. I, I mean... I think so, you don't have too. an IL spot. Uh, that's, he's out that's, for a quarter of the rest of the season, basically. How about Martin? Uh, how about Martin Perez? I know he's been like yeah. Martin Perez. He's eighty yeah, percent. Martin Ross. Perez is pretty scrubby. Uh, you say Kikuchi, who's yeah. 
kind of come back down to earth a little bit. Ooh, I'd ooh, Tyler Anderson. Take a fly on Waka over him. How about Reed Detmers, who's been pretty underwhelming? You know, that was actually the first name that came to me when I was trying to think of somebody I'd be willing to drop, but I, I decided I'd still rather I'd have st- him than Waka. I'd but stick not to Detmers. Yeah. Uh, I think so, too. The most added starting pitchers on CBS uh, after Sunday night's waiver period, which obviously there's a a lot of fab and waivers running over the weekend. Um, Yuri Perez, Dane Dunning, James Paxton, JP France, and Louis Varland. I think the only names that I would take Waka over are Dane Dunning and JP France of that group. Yeah, and it's, it's it's actually a close call with Dunning for me. Was Dunning supposed to start today? The Rangers didn't play today, Scott. No, they played. Did the Rangers they, play today? They played against the Braves. Oh. Yeah. Lost 12-0. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's why I... So they, they played, but they didn't necessarily They didn't actually up. play, yes. <laughs> That's why I didn't remember well, they, them playing. And, and, and the, who took the... I, I mean, I had Dane Dunning as a two-star pitcher this week. I picked him up in a couple leagues because of it. Right. Uh, but the guy who started for them today was a left-hander. Cody, Cody right Bradford. Name. Cody Bradford, yeah. And so, yeah, I guess that. Okay, so Dane Dunning's scheduled to start tomorrow, so he will not be making two starts this week, and, and that's a shame. And they've only got six games this week, too. Yeah, so that's... Definitely. So he will make two starts next week, presumably. And so that's why I think it's a close call between him and Waka. But I would, I would rather have Waka than France, for sure. Okay, let's take our first break, and uh, when we return, we'll take a look at the Cardinals, who are surging all of a sudden. We'll do that here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back, and let's talk about those Cardinals who have finally woken up, and they have won seven of their last eight games. They beat the Brewers 18-1 to on Monday. We already spoke about Jack Flaherty, but what about the bats? Lars Nupar went two for four with two walks, four runs, and is now batting 310 with an 894 OPS. So has really turned it on over the past couple of weeks. Nolan Gorman had a monster game, went three for five with his 10th homer, added five RBI. He's now batting 283 with an 879 OPS. Haven't given Gorman enough love this season, but he's been tremendous. Uh, the plate discipline has improved both the walk rate and the strikeout rate, and he's crushing the ball. I mean, you look at the average exit velocity and the barrel rate, both are great right now for Nolan Gorman. 
Gorman has a Cardinals management problem, unfortunately. I was going to say a Wilson Contreras problem, but really it's not his fault. It's not his fault that the Cardinals decided to confine their big free agent signing to DH, leaving Gorman with nothing to play but second base. And so this was only his second start in five games. Yeah, it's true. Uh, That's a problem. That's a problem. It seems like at the very least he's going to sit against all lefties. It it turns out Wilson Contreras only needed a week away from catching to solve all of his issues. So what a weird, who the heck knows what a weird situation I've been, I've been following this, but I haven't been on the podcast since the Cardinals announced this, but baffling every, every aspect of this is just like completely Bush league and Contreras did start today. And uh, apparently Jack Flaherty was one of the, the leadership group for the team who sat Contreras down and talked to him about the still as yet publicly undefined issues that they were having with him as a catcher. But this performance, I, I would assume, makes it more likely Contreras will be remain a catcher moving forward. Oh, so maybe it's know. not such a problem for Gorman. Well, I, yeah, I, didn't I mean, notice, after this, I didn't yeah. even notice Contreras was back behind the plate today. Okay. Yeah, they announced yeah. that, I think, yesterday. Um, okay. Yep. And so, had their best game of the season. So it's all, everything's fixed. Yeah, Chris. I mean, clearly <laughs> it worked because the Cardinals are seven and one in their last eight games. So boom. H- hilariously, their pitching, their starting pitching has still been a disaster outside of Flaherty. Yeah. Uh, in that stretch, I think they still had like a five ERA. Um, so. Whatever. God bless St. Louis. Uh, I hope you figure that out because Gorman really has a a ceiling problem, right? Like even if Contreras is a catcher moving forward, Gorman's still not going to play against lefties. He's got 10 plate appearances against lefties and he had 24 last season. So it's how good can you be if you just destroy lefties? You can be or righties. You can be really good, but and none of this is to say that Gorman shouldn't be rostered in all fantasy leagues. He should. It's just, yes. You know, if you're thinking about trying to trade for him, I think it's, it's difficult to figure out how to value a guy who just, as far as we know, isn't going to play against lefties. Yeah. That's a good point because it, it, it didn't feel like that early in the year. I, 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 I was, you know, attributing the Contreras move DH not being available to Gorman sitting more against lefties. But really, the issue was the Cardinals faced five left-handed starting pitchers for all of April. So they had a they had a good run there of avoiding lefties that allowed Gorman to play more than he's probably going to play normally. A few other names that went off in this game. Tommy Edmond went four for five with his sixth home run. He added four runs and two RBI. Just a few batted ball things that I think uh, have limited Edmund this year. His line drive rate is down to just 12%. His hard hit rate is down about seven percentage points. Still is super fast, 88th percentile in sprint speed. So I would expect more steals to come soon for Tommy Edmund. And uh, Nolan Arenado is picking it up in a big way. He has homered in four straight games and in the month of May, now batting 320 with five homers and a 1044 OPS. We spoke about him a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I brought up how during the WBC, he got hit by a pitch, I think, either on his hand or his wrist, and maybe he just wasn't right to start the season, and and that's why he slumped in April, but all is forgiven because Nolan Arenado uh, looks like himself here so far in May. Agree. Guys who are going to make the Hall of Fame, let's just agree to not worry about them in April. Like, let's, (laughs) let's all, next, next April, let's take a, a collective vow. We'll all do like a ceremony. We'll take drinks. It'll be great. 
and we'll just all agree that like the 12 guys that we are fairly certain are going to the Hall of Fame, we just won't talk about them in April. No matter what the underlying numbers look like, those guys are going to figure it out. Well, that's contingent on the audience not talking about them, whether we, we talk well, that's, about that's them. Well, that's what but... I mean. I mean the audience. You're all invited to participate in this, in this ceremony. We'll, <laughs> we'll get some oils and, and incense, and it'll be really nice. I, I promise. Still it'll be people, a great time. There are still people freaking out about Manny Machado, who has, you know, is, is, is on a Hall of Fame trajectory, I would say. But anyway, back to Arenado. I did see an article this morning from The Athletic that he was working through what he termed Dead hands, which is not not a phrase I had heard before. I've heard that, dead arm, but he had dead hands, which you know maybe was related to that. That's that's a plot point in the new that. Legend of Zelda game. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to respond to that. Uh, I haven't played that game yet, and I don't know if I ever will. It looks very intimidating. Let's get into some waiver wire hitters, and uh, I've got some outfielders here up top. Not the most exciting group. They're names that I brought up before, but. I mean, they just keep hitting. Uh, Lane Thomas went three for four with two doubles and three runs scored. Over his last 12 games, he's batting 347 with three homers and two steals. 95th percentile in sprint speed for Lane Thomas. Joey Manessis, his teammate, went four for five with three doubles, four RBI. Uh, he has the batting average up to 300. The problem is that he only has two home runs and a 394 slugging percentage. Marcelo Zuno went one for five with his eighth home run. And uh, the batting average overall still looks dreadful, but in the month of May, Ozuna is batting 300 with six homers and 1166 OPS, crushing the ball, hitting it hard, putting it in the air, lots of barrels. Uh, Scott, is there anyone that stands out to you here from this group? Ozuna, Manessis, and uh, Lane Thomas. Well, I, I, I find it interesting the shape that Manessis's season has taken. Uh, that he's batting over 300 now, but with zero power and obviously in a bad lineup, that's, that's not going to amount to much. So I'm not, I'm not particularly encouraged by what he's doing. Ozuna has playing time issues. So until that changes, it's, you know, the, the way to change that is by doing what he's doing now, but the Braves have a lot of options. They like between left field and DH, especially with Darno back and Kevin Pillar heating up as well. I think the most interesting for fantasy purposes is probably Lane Thomas because we've seen him get hot for long enough stretches that he's the 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 buzzy pickup and you know provides some power, provides some speed, does does a few different things we care about. That he's doing it in May, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know that we've seen Lane Thomas have his career season yet. And I'm not saying this is definitely it, but I'm saying there's enough of a chance that in five outfielder leagues, he you know, probably needs to, to be picked up if he isn't already. Mm-hmm. Lane Thomas is 28% rostered and has let off nine straight games for the Washington Nationals. Speaking of the Nationals, I, I have some middle infielders here, and C.J. Abrams went two for four with a sock and a shoe. His fourth home run, his fifth steal of the season, and also in the month of May for him, 13 games played. He's batting 326, two homers, two steals, and hitting the ball a lot harder. 90.3 average exit velocity during that time for CJ Abrams. Orlando Arcia went two for two with two walks and hit his third home run. He's batting 333 in seven games since returning from the IL. And a name we haven't talked much about, he's hitting 341 on the season. 
It's Geraldo Perdomo with the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. He went two for three with a walk, hit his third home run. He also has four steals and a 971 OPS. Chris, I think these are more so for Roto Leagues with a middle infield spot, but how would you rank C.J. Abrams, Orlando Arcia, and Geraldo Perdomo? And, and I think all these three guys are probably more like 15-team league guys. Maybe I could see a 12-teamer. Yeah, maybe Arcia, I, I think, would be the one in a shallower league that I could see being interested in just because, you know, over the past season or two, he has shown some more pop at the plate. Obviously, this season, he's been very good. Um, so, yeah, I think Arcia is probably the most interesting of this three, um, but I'm not super enthused about any of them. Abrams, we're going to need to see the quality of contact metrics remain strong for a little while longer before I really buy in. But look, if you've got a, a roster spot to play with, Abrams is obviously a very recent, very highly regarded prospect who was promoted very, very aggressively through the minors. He, he's still only, what, 22? That sounds um, right. So, yeah, like I think there's a chance C.J. Abrams is starting to figure out, but it's it's too early to say it with any degree of confidence. Yep, 22. Right now. All of a sudden, C.J. Abrams is on like a 15 homer, 20 steal pace. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of fun with small samples. Even even a quarter of the season, which is about the point we're at the 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 quarter way point, even that is still a pretty small sample. And you know, a hot streak like that can change it. But technically, it's true. He's on like a 15 homer, 20 steal pace with a batting average up to what is it up to now? 258. Yeah. So not that great, but like. It, it puts him in the conversation for for like a roto league where you have a bunch of lineup spots to fill. I'm sure you guys have biases like this as well, though. It's just I, I'm rooting for Abrams. I want him to be good. So I'm, I get excited whenever he does something like this. Sure. And I'm like, yeah, I hope it continues. And we start to see some of that upside that we thought he had. Um, I, I'm nothing against the guy. <laughs> one one thing I wanted to see him improve upon this year was the chase rate last year. His O swing percentage was 43.8%, which yeah. is really, really bad. So far, it's 41.5%. So it, it's still really, really high. So I, I think he needs to become more selective. But even with that, uh, the strikeout rate is not bad for CJ Abrams. One thing I'll point out with Perdomo, if you play in like a deeper daily lineup league, I, I think he should be rostered in something like that because he doesn't play against lefties. But when he plays against righties, again... Perdomo has been really, really good. In deeper leagues, Brenton Doyle, an outfielder with the Rockies, had a huge game, went three for four with a double dong. He had three runs and three RBI as well. Um, of course, this game helps the overall numbers tremendously. He's now batting 250 with four homers, six steals, and an 836 OPS. Uh, had a big game on Sunday as well, a sock and a shoe in that one. And uh, Chad Wallach, if you don't know who it is, I don't blame you. He's a catcher for the Angels. He went Former Marlin. three for five with his third home run. He's batting 314. He's got a 933 OPS. He's hitting the ball really hard. He's got a 17% barrel rate that was entering uh, Monday's action as well. So, you know, deeper two-catcher leagues. Got anything here with uh, Chad Wallach and Brenton Doyle? I'm not terribly optimistic about either. I think between the two, Doyle would deserve a little more attention because anybody who plays for the Rockies does, and he has 98th percentile sprint speed in addition to whatever advantages he's going to get from that home park. Uh, but he strikes out a ton, or at least he has been, and uh, doesn't seem to have a lot of like raw power. 
despite the the home run output recently. So I'd still bet against them. There are other options that I think the Rockies should be playing more than Brenton Doyle. And I'll leave it at that. I know, I know the the way I said his name made it sound like I was going to say more, but I decided not to say more. All right, nothing else there on Brendan Doyle. Let's get into the dropo meter. We already talked about Alec Manoa earlier. Grayson Rodriguez destroyed by the Angels. He went three and a third, nine hits, eight earned runs allowed, two more homers allowed, and just giving up a ton of hard contact right now. The control has not been great. The ERA is 6.57. The whip is 1.73. Uh, the walks per nine up over four so far this season for Grayson Rodriguez. Chris, uh, he's still 86% rostered. Where do you put the dropometer on Grayson Rodriguez? It's higher than Alec Manoa because we don't have the track record to fall back on. It's funny. I, someone asked me if they should drop Grayson Rodriguez for Brandon Fott. And I said, you should keep Grayson Rodriguez. And then Brandon Fott had his best start and Grayson Rodriguez got destroyed. I still feel confident in Grayson Rodriguez ahead of Brandon Fott, but obviously the timing on that one, not ideal. Um, I'll say a five. My preference would be to not. So we'll say a four. My preference would be to not drop Grayson Rodriguez. So I will be below the median point on the scale. I'll, I'll go... I'll go like a six or seven. I mean, obviously, it depends on the depth of the league. And at some leagues, you're just there, there's not going to be any pitcher worthwhile. Uh, and, and Rodriguez could figure it out. But I haven't seen any... I have not felt motivated. For instance, our 2014 Dynasty League. Very deep league. And uh, you're nobody ever has enough pitching. I have not been the least bit tempted to promote him from a minor league spot. There hasn't been... He hasn't even gone six innings in a star yet, right? But more to the point, like he just, it just seems like he doesn't know how to pitch yet. You know, like it, it's clear the stuff is, is impressive. And he breezed through the minor leagues, dominated every stop. And I think it's just, you know, he has this wide array of pitching and they're all capable of getting whiffs, but he just doesn't hasn't really had to learn the finer points of like sequencing and stuff. And I've seen some reports along these lines too. Uh, once he does figure that out and he eventually will, he could take off, but there's no reason to believe that's going to happen imminently. It, it could also be like, maybe he's trying to do too much. Like maybe, maybe being a 23 year old with fairly limited minor league experience, you know, maybe throwing five pitches is, just too much to ask and maybe yeah. he he would benefit from like his cutter hasn't been a bit particularly good pitch for him the curveball's been fine but it hasn't been overwhelming the changeup and slider have clearly been his best pitches so far it, it might be a situation where you know he might benefit from limiting his pitch selection a little more and and, and focusing on what's working mm -hmm. again that is Grayson Rodriguez I saw a quote earlier too after the game where their manager, Brandon Hyde, he said something like, yeah, we're going to give him another start. And it's just like the way it was phrased, I wonder if they're kind of thinking like one more bad start and maybe they'll demote Grayson Rodriguez and kind of have him figure things out in the minor leagues. It, it would not surprise me at this point. Yeah. And and we, as we talked about yesterday with the Welsh, how close are they to doing that with uh, with Gunnar Henderson too? Yeah. They've, they're, or, Orioles have a lot to play for. They're not used to being in this position and, and they can't afford... They can't afford to uh, 
let the young guys take their lumps. And um, Dio Hall, by the way, his last two starts in the minors have have been pretty good. He's got A-plus strikeouts in either, so it's just a name to watch. It wouldn't surprise me if maybe they make some kind of swap like that or they just call up Dio Hall in, in general to have him on their roster. We got a few questions on Twitter about Jamison Tyone earlier and uh, another rough outing for him. He gave up four earned runs over four and two-thirds. Uh, at the Houston Astros, gave up nine hard hits in this one. He's got a 6.66 ERA. The underlying numbers are actually much better. He's got a 375 FIP, but uh, even with that, Scott, the dropometer for Jamison Tyone. I don't have great affection for him. <laughs> I, I'll go. I'll go eight. That's like the way you phrased that. Uh, Chris, where is your affection level on Jamison Tyone? uh affection level uh <laughs> five i always six i root for him more than i root for most players uh but as far as the drop meter probably an eight okay so basically for any of those most added starting pitchers the uh yes. the twins would you drop jameson tyone for michael walker sure uh, yeah that one feels a little spider-man mimi but Waka's getting good results so far I don't know that that might the the sentence I just said might have gone over like seventy percent of the audience. I get it. The one where they're pointing at each other. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Spider Man pointing who's at the each real Spider Man. Yeah, who's yeah. the real Waka slash Tyone? Yeah. I just like the way that you use the word Mimi. Yeah, we're creating we're creating uh, creating new words here. All right, let's get into some news and notes. Manny Machado, who we mentioned earlier, he did exit Monday's game after getting hit by a pitch on his hand. We don't have any test results yet, but obviously wishing for the best. Cody Bellinger also left with a uh, leg injury that he suffered while making a leaping catch. Initial tests have ruled out a serious injury for him, thankfully. Christian Yelich... Oh, and, and also on Machado, x-rays are negative. Okay, good. Good, good to hear. Um... Christian Yelich was removed due to back tightness, which is worrisome given his injury history. Although and That one, Craig Council did basically say he's been sore the last couple of days, and also we were losing 8 nothing. Yeah, I thought it was mostly that, but then I saw the report yeah. about the back injury after the yeah. fact. Look, it hasn't affected his production because he just had a monster weekend, so uh, yeah. fingers crossed there on Christian yeah, Yelich. The, the, Brewers kind of punted on that game once they fell behind. Gus Varland, their rule five pick, was left in for two-thirds of an inning where he gave up nine earned runs. So, uh, yeah. Big yikes. Jose Altuve will move his rehab assignment to double-A for the next few games. He's two for 13 in his uh, in the beginning of his rehab assignment. Nico Horner remains on track for activation when first eligible on Friday. Spoke about this yesterday. I think they'll find a way to get Christopher Morel in the lineup. They don't really have a choice. The way that he's hitting right now, another home run on Monday. He's got homers in four of his first six games. So uh, if you picked up Morrell, I wouldn't worry yet. I think, again, they'll find a way. He had another home run Monday, but he also had four strikeouts. He sure did. (laughs) The yin and the yang. Yeah. Um, It was an impressive home run, too. It was off for Amber Valdez. I I was watching it. 0-2 pitch. A cutter that just kind of floated in there and... Christopher Morrell absolutely destroyed it. Brandon Woodruff was transferred to the 60-day IL as he continues to recover from a subscapular strain in his right shoulder. The Brewers have a tentative goal of Woodruff returning before the end of June. 
Corey Seager is expected to return in the next couple days. He's been out since April 12th with a left hamstring strain. The Rays reinstated Pete Fairbanks. Uh, Jason Adam has been awesome in Fairbanks' absence, picking up five saves over the past couple of weeks. Wouldn't surprise me if they share the role moving forward, which I'm not sure that's great for anybody's fantasy value, but uh, I feel like Jason Adam has at least earned that. CJ Ray's Cro- going to Ray. Yep. CJ Crone was placed on the IL with back spasms. Mike Moustakis started at first base and was batting cleanup on Monday. Believe he hit a home run in that game, actually. Uh, Michael Tolia was also recalled, and in 37 games in the minors this year, Tolia was hitting 257 with eight homers in 857 OPS. And just a reminder that he hit 30 home runs in the minors last year. So uh, maybe and in several like several more in the majors. What's up? And several more, uh, a couple more in the majors. So 32 between the majors and minors. Yeah, he's an all or nothing guy, and uh, maybe more of a true, three true outcomes guy. He walks. A fair amount too, but I would bet against him becoming a big fantasy asset. But there is a lot of power there, and Coors Field can do some special things. So keep an eye on him. Again, the name there is Michael Tolia. Luis Severino may be activated to start his, this Sunday in Cincinnati. He'll make another rehab start on Tuesday. Wilson Contreras started at catcher, which we spoke about earlier. The Cardinals decided 11 days was enough, and there you go. He's back. Tyler O'Neill is scheduled to begin a rehab assignment on Thursday. He's missed the past few weeks with a lower back strain. Twins prospect Royce Lewis has moved his rehab up to AAA, and he's 27% rostered. If you have an IL spot available, please go add Royce Lewis. Anthony Rendon was placed in the IL with a left groin strain. Gio Urshela started at third base on Monday. The Braves transferred Kyle Wright to the 60-day IL. Uh, Jose Alvarado is expected to begin a throwing program in the early part of this week. So perhaps the Craig Kimbrell and uh, Gregory Soto fantasy value, you know, maybe it won't be around for too long. We'll see. Hayden Wesneski was optioned back to AAA. Kyle Hendricks could potentially take that spot, uh, that rotation spot later this week. Chris, it's been a while since we've seen a fantasy relevant Kyle Hendricks. Do you have any interest? No, he, he would have to. This is probably a situation where we need to three, see two or three starts at least before getting interested. He's been pretty awful. Mm-hmm. Jock Peterson was placed in the IL with a right-hand contusion, while Mike Yastrzemski was reinstated by the Giants. TJ Friedel was placed on the IL with a left oblique strain. Jake Fraley, Stuart Fairchild, and Will Myers started in the outfield on Monday. Jared Schuster will be recalled from AAA to start Tuesday against the Rangers. Uh, Scott, any interest in Schuster? He's 20% rostered. He's been walking guys in the minors just like he was in the majors, and they seem to avoid this for as long as they possibly could, going with bullpen games and such. So, no, I, I would say Jared Schuster has a lot to prove before we consider him in fantasy. Joey Votto was transferred to the 60-day IL, which freed up a roster spot for Matt McClain on the 40-man. Uh, Hyunjin Ryu has been throwing bullpen sessions at the Blue Jays' spring training complex. He's aiming to return sometime around the All-Star break. And uh, last time we saw him, he wasn't very good either. So I think we just, you know, we've got to see multiple really good starts from Ryu before uh, we think about him. Luke Voigt was placed in the IL with a strained neck. Darren Ruff has been signed to replace him on the roster. Dylan Carlson underwent imaging on his left ankle on Monday. Alec Burleson started in left field with Brendan Donovan in right. 
Brad Boxberger went to the IL with a strained forearm, and it appears Mark Leiter Jr. and Adbert Alzali are the leaders in the Cubs bullpen for now, and Brandon Williamson will make his Reds debut Tuesday in Coors Field. He did have some prospect pedigree a couple years ago, but a 6.62 ERA at AAA this season. Don't think that's going to cut it. Let's take our final break when we return. Uh, a couple other pitchers who struggled here on Monday. We'll break those down right after this. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This weekend, CBS heads to a major tournament when the world's best golfers descend on the legendary Oak Hill Country Club with the winner taking home the coveted Wanamaker Trophy at the PGA Championship. Live coverage on Saturday and Sunday begins at 1 Eastern, the PGA Championship this weekend on CBS. Let's take a look at some pitchers who struggled on Monday. We'll start with Freddie Peralta, who was knocked around at the Cardinals. Five and a third, six earned runs, five walks to four strikeouts for him. The ERA is up to 4.11. The whip is 1.30. Uh, Chris, any actual concern here with uh, with Freddie Peralta? The you know numbers are starting to rise here a little bit for him. Yeah, it's been a tough stretch and you know now that like the underlying numbers you know are largely in that like four era range i think it's worth acknowledging but not necessarily panicking he's still doing a good job suppressing hard contact he's still doing a good job you know with the like expected babip is still pretty low not necessarily as low as it's been throughout his career but you know he he still mostly looks pretty good. He doesn't look like the dominant version of him that he was that Peralta was in 2021. Uh, but you know, a mid three ZRA, a bunch of strikeouts. I think he can still be that guy. And three stars before this one were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Worth pointing out 23 strikeouts in 18 innings, 250 ERA, all three quality starts, seven. Uh, or I'm sorry, five of seven quality starts this year prior to this start. So now five, five of eight. eight. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move over to Framber Valdez, who had a disappointing start up against the Cubs. He allowed four runs over four innings pitched. Still did have eight strikeouts, but lots of hard contact. 97.1 mile per hour average exit velocity against. And Scott, I think that's the one thing that maybe we omitted when uh, you know we were talking so you know, gracefully about Framber Valdez last week is he does pitch to contact more than other aces, and he he is allowing a lot of hard contact so far this year. Yeah, but he also has a career best strikeout rate. I mean, I don't know. I can't. I can't in 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 the world of 
pitching that we're living in now. I can't bring it. I can't bring myself to complain about Framber Valdez of all pitches. Pitchers. So the thing I would say about him is he has gone from very, very good in terms of quality of contact allowed to pretty bad so far. However, quality of contact allowed for pitchers is a, is a skill that takes a long time to stabilize. And we've got several seasons of Framber Valdez being very, very good in that regard. And we've got nine starts of him being pretty not so good. We give the the larger sample size the the edge here and and assume that Framber Valdez will figure that out and remain a very, very high-end pitcher. Hunter Green, unfortunately, did not survive Coors Field. He gave up six runs over four innings pitched, two homers allowed, did have eight strikeouts to just one walk, but the ERA now stands at 4.60. The whip is 1.58. Lots of strikeouts, lots of walks. Um a good amount of hard contact, a 398 BABIP again so far this year. Chris, any thoughts on uh, Hunter Green? I, I kind of feel like this is the Hunter Green experience. Yes. Yeah, I, I think like there will, there may, and I, I would bet will come a time when he figures it out and, you know, it clicks and he looks like an ace. But yeah, I think more, more often than not, it's going to be a frustrating experience because that fastball still gets hit really hard and it's, one of two pitches that he has, basically. I wanted to see, you know, there was talk in the offseason about him throwing the changeup more, and he's thrown it less often so far. I, I don't think you worry because he got hit hard in course field. That's what happens in course field. But, you know, 95 mile per hour average exit velocity on 10 balls in play with the fastball today. Like, that's a thing that happens with Hunter Green. And I, I just think he was a, a good dice roll at the price that you were paying for him, but I'm pretty sure I had him as both a breakout and a bust (laughs) this preseason for this exact reason, because when the switch flips, he's going to look awesome, but it was never a certainty at all. It was always an upside play. And I don't think you're dropping Hunter green, but no, 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 you're not necessarily starting him with a ton of confidence every time out. Yeah. Look again, it's Coors Field, so it's it's a tough place to pitch. You mentioned the changeup, and uh, he used it fourteen percent of the time in this start. That was a season high, and it looked pretty good. It had four whiffs, thirty-one percent CSW. So uh, glass half full—that's one nice takeaway there for Hunter Green. Pablo Lopez has had a few clunkers recently. He was at the Dodgers, four and two thirds, five runs allowed, three home runs allowed. Two of them coming to Max Muncy uh, allowed some hard contact in this one. Over the last five starts. Pablo Lopez has a 6-11 ERA, a 132 whip. Scott, I don't want to say that it's the same as last year, but I'm kind of getting vibes from last year where Pablo Lopez got off to that awesome start and then just really kind of faltered from there on out. Um, Would you look to sell Pablo Lopez right now, or do you still have a lot of confidence in him? Well, if you were going to do a sell high, I I kind of feel like you've missed your window to do that. His numbers look closer to expectations now uh what are what people's expectations were coming into the season i don't think he's about to like collapse and and so you need to get out before that happens i think he's just he's he's not you know even with the new sweeper this year even with the velocity bump he was seeing early he's he's still more of like a mid-tier pitcher than a high-end pitcher and so he's going to have He's going to have times when he struggles like this. 
but he's still, you know, he's still a quality option to have on your roster. Mm-hmm. Probably more of like an SP3 than, you know, one of the top two starting pitchers on your roster. Shohei Otani has been doomed by the long ball recently. He was at the Orioles, seven innings, five runs, three home runs allowed in this one. And over his last four starts, a 6.12 ERA, a 1.0 whip on the nose uh, over a strikeout per inning, but eight home runs allowed over his last four starts. Apparently reported that he was battling some some neck stiffness in this outing as well. Uh, Chris, a couple of weeks ago, I, I talked about using Otani as a pitcher rather than a hitter, and uh, I feel like that's completely flipped. Like He's really turned it on as a hitter, and he's kind of faltered a little bit as a pitcher. Yeah, I don't know. He's awesome at both. I, I, that is true. I, I think you probably like this is the problem with trying to play the hot hand thing, right? With like Shohei Otani. If, if you think he's just a better pitcher than he is a hitter, then use him as a pitcher. But like the, oh, well, he's not really hitting right now. So I'm going to use him as a pitcher is like, yeah, you do that. And then you might miss out on a four home run week. And so that's that's always going to be the thing with a player like him. That's frustrating. But. I think the good thing is you're going to get good production no matter where you start him. It's, you know. Well, this was a week where it totally made sense to use him as a pitcher because a rare week where he was lined up for two starts. And that happened earlier in the year, and he didn't end up getting those two starts. I don't remember why. Rain out or something? I don't know. I hope this neck stiffness isn't a reason to push him back a day for the Angels and uh, deny us that. That coveted two-star week for Otani. Again. But I will say, I'm not concerned no. about him. Yeah. No. Speaking of Otani as the hitter, by the way, four for five with a walk and his ninth home run, finished a double short of the cycle in a game that he was the starting pitcher. Did, his, his home run, 114.6 exit velocity, 456 feet. Did you see the Orioles fans were booing him when he got a single on his last at-bat instead of the double for the cycle? <laughs> I, I did not see that, but that is tremendous. A few other pitching standouts. George Kirby turns in yet another quality start at the Red Sox. Six and two-thirds, one run, six strikeouts in that one. Charlie Morton with his first double-digit strikeout start of the season. Six and two-thirds shutout, 10 strikeouts to one walk. 23 swinging strikes on 106 pitches. The trend continues in years that I don't draft Morton. He's awesome. In the years that I do, he stinks. I, I literally just wrote about selling high on him so there you go (laughs) Merrill Kelly had one of his best starts of the season at the Oakland A's seven innings two runs nine strikeouts to one walk 17 swinging strikes in that one for Kelly Scott anything you'd like to add on Kirby Morton and Merrill Kelly I've been really impressed with Kelly here it it seems like he's the one of the Mount Rushmore (laughs) that has followed up on his uh, his his surprisingly good season. I'd hope two of them would. It was unlikely they all four were going to. It looks like it's only one, and it's Merrill Kelly. And in fact, Merrill Kelly might be even better than last year. His ERA is down to 292 now. His whip is down to 109. His swinging strike rate, even before this 17-whiff game, is by far the best of his career. And... Uh, it is his changeup, which was always his best pitch, seems to be playing even better. And he just seems to keep he just seems to keep getting better and better. I'm not saying you should value him the same as like Mitch Keller. I don't think he's taken that kind of leap as Merrill Kelly, but you can feel confident starting him more weeks than not. I know this sounds gross, but I'll just ask, get it out of the way. Patrick Corbin has a quality start in five of his last six outings. And during that span, his last six starts, a 349 ERA a 1.16 whip, 
Uh, keeping the walks down, still giving up some hard contact. Uh, Chris, anything to see here with Patrick Corbin? No. No, 15% strikeout rate, 5.61 expected ERA. Oh, gosh. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's anything here. I think sometimes good things happen to bad pitchers. All right. A few hitting leftovers. Cal Raleigh went three for four with a double dong. One from each side of the plate. He had three batted balls over 107 exit velocity. Anthony Santander went two for four with his sixth home run. And in the month of May, he's batting 353 with four homers and a 1088 OPS. Aaron Judge went two for two with three walks and a double dong of his own. He's got multiple homers in two of his last three games, making up for lost time, now up to 10 home runs total on the season. Ronald Acuna went one for four with a walk and his ninth home run, 116 exit velocity, 454 feet. He's been amazing, the best player in baseball, uh, best player in fantasy baseball. Hopefully, signs of coming around for Jose Abreu. He went two for three with a walk, a double, and two RBI. Max Muncy, I wrote down here that he had a double dong, but I want to check this game just to make sure. He didn't, I don't think he homered again. I saw at some point he was three for three, so uh, three for five now with, yeah, it's still two home runs, three RBI. That game's actually still going there. Headed into the 11th inning there, so uh, some extra inning baseball for them. Christopher Morell, we spoke about him earlier. He hit his fourth home run in six games, and in Matt McClain's debut, he hit a double in which he really flashed the speed. The broadcast said his time from home to second base was in the 95th percentile on that double hit, uh, and then he scored on a hard-hit single in the next play, too. So yeah. I, I did not realize he was so itty-bitty. Yeah, he's small, five foot eight. I say that, right? Yeah. Like, I'm five foot nine. <laughs> He's, we're almost the same height. He's just uh, a lot better at baseball than I am. The in, Kind of an insane gamble on that double, I will point out. That's, you know, <laughs> a bit of, big, outfield, that, big outfield there in Coors Field, he, Scotty. He was, Matt McClain was billed as a baseball rat. You know, I, I talked on the last podcast about how the Baseball America scouting report described it as he doesn't have a lot of functional strength. <laughs> so he, he makes up for it with a go-getter attitude, and we saw that on that hustle double. All right. A few bullpen updates for the Yankees. Michael King, I told you, eventually, but no. Wandy Peralta had the two saves over the weekend, but Michael King recorded the final four outs for his third save. I think it's still pretty messy. I, I think we're going to get some Michael King, some Peralta, Maybe Clay Holmes mixes back in. I, I think it's pretty messy right now. For the Astros, Ryan Presley was unavailable. Hector Neris picked up his second save of the season. For the Diamondbacks, Andrew Chafin pitched a clean ninth for his sixth save. The ERA has crept up to 3.94. For the Rockies, Pierce Johnson entered the ninth with a two-run lead. He gave up one run but picked up his seventh save. And his ERA is all the way up to 5.51. For the Giants, Camilo Duvall pitched the final four outs for his ninth save of the season. And uh, Evan Phillips blew a save for the Dodgers tonight. Yes. Worth noting. And I mean, the the usage there has been a little confusing, too. Like Gratterall has missed in, mixed in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Lately, it seems like they've been pretty set with Phillips. Yeah. I know Caleb uh, Ferguson picked up a save over the weekend, too. So it's a little messy. Yeah. But, well, I mean, it doesn't help. Every time Phillips blows the save, it gets a little messier, I guess. But I, I feel pretty comfortable with Phillips there, more so than anything the Yankees have going on. And you got to wonder, I mean, Pierce Johnson has not looked good. 
And while Daniel Bard's velocity has been way down since he returned, he hasn't he hasn't had any issues. So I don't know. Maybe 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 a change is still yet to come there. And right. for what it's worth, when Ferguson got the save, it was I think he got one out uh, in that one. Gratterall, yeah, uh, he did. Yeah, so Gratterall got an opportunity with Phillips, presumably available. He only thrown thirteen pitches. I think the previous three days combined or something. So presumably was available. So yeah, it's not entirely Phillips and this probably makes it slightly less likely that it will be entirely Phillips moving forward. Yep. To stream or not to stream. Let's start with Tuesday. And yesterday we mentioned Bailey Ober, who was at the Dodgers. Obviously it's not a great matchup, but uh, he is the best in terms of talent on this list here. Yeah. Uh, s- scrolling around. We mentioned Michael Lorenzen yesterday. Obviously, don't trust him much, but the Pirates are, you know, kind of falling apart recently. And uh, I think on the other side, Luis Ortiz at the Tigers, like, I, I don't know that I trust him from a talent perspective, but I certainly don't trust the Tigers either. So, realistically, Ober's the only one I'd do from Tuesday. Okay. If, if I will, if I had to stretch it in for a second one, it would be Lorenzen. All right. I, well, I'm, not totally disinterested in Chase Silseth at Baltimore, but I probably wouldn't start him. Okay. On Wednesday, scrolling up and down the list here, I think, <laughs> uh, gosh, Brian Bayo. I, I yeah. really like what I saw last time out. The Mariners offense has been inconsistent. I think I could get behind that one. I could see either side of the Peyton Battenfield, Mike Clevenger game having a good start. That's mostly... Ugh the result of the offenses that they're playing, but it wouldn't surprise me if either one was good, but right. obviously not a wholehearted endorsement there. Anyone going to go for Edward Cabrera against the national? I can't. <laughs> I want to hitters right now. Want to keep them on my bench. Team name Tuesday. will wrap up with this. And uh, I genuinely look, I'm happy whenever you're here, Chris, but especially when we have team name Tuesday, because you are much better at this than Scott and I am. Uh, these are from Robert, and they are music-themed. Hey, you, Kiro off of my cloud. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. good, right? Uh, That's one. I, don't, I don't get that one at all, so. <laughs> yes, it was a good. I think maybe it might be better, like, sing it in the, like, hey, Kiro off of my cloud. Like That's, that, you know, sing, yeah, I think that might be It's not helping. <laughs> the Rolling Stones song. Okay. Uh, somewhere Tovar the Rainbow. You know that one. I, I do know that one. I, I know most of them. Come on. Like, <laughs> maybe one out of one or two out of ten, I don't know. I mean, there's a bunch that I don't usually get, so I will openly admit that. I, these are all pretty obvious ones. These so far, yes. Uh, I can't get no Gattisfaction. Yeah. Okay. So there's a whole. They were sticking like with the classics, the oldies here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of two point seven light FMs here. <laughs> and this last one is uh, I'm Stott for teacher. Yeah, All yeah. Right. You guys, you guys don't know that one? No, I, yeah, hot for teacher. That's hot yeah. for teacher. I guess yeah. I, I don't know the. Oh man, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. You know that one? Sure. All right, Van, Van Halen. Van Halen. Come on, I, guys. I, I knew it was like a classic artist, but I didn't want to say the wrong one, so I just I know. Go that, listen to it. That was a perfect recreation of the drum fill in the intro. No, Trust it really me. is because I actually I had the Guitar Hero Van Halen back in the day, so I I played that song a bunch. Uh, this one from Bill. Throw me a bone. Yep. Mm-hmm. From Matt. Jolts on you. Sure. 
The check's in the Mali. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ish. Uh, let's set the bar low. Absolutely. Lemon lime Gratterall. Is that supposed that's, to be like Gatorade? I know that's something. I just don't know what it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> like yeah. it is, it's a thing. It has the cadence of a joke in the uh, in the words of Pert Happily, but I don't quite get it. <laughs> uh, we fought like Kelsey. All right, that's a good one. That's, that's fine. Good. Uh, yeah, because fought is you know the pitcher. Yes. Yeah. Uh, at, ask for me tomorrow, and you shall find me a graveman. Again, that sounds like a thing. I'm sure it is. Right. Yeah. From oh, it's, it's a uh, Romeo and Juliet, I think. Yeah. That's where Mercu- Mercutio's from, right? Mm. That, was, that yeah. was who John Leguizamo played in that movie. Uh, from Sheldon, how much Wald could Waldachuck chuck if Waldachuck could chuck Wald? That's, that's, that's incredible. <laughs> that's really yeah, yeah. good. <laughs> uh, from Michael. <laughs> I debated whether or not to leave this one in here, but uh, whatever. We're already here. Uh, from Michael, Yuri Nation. <laughs> oh. I didn't I didn't pick it up reading it. <laughs> yeah, you, you had to say it out loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, from Tim, Ward Wide Web. Yep. From Nick, sure. I don't know how to say this one. Like, Oblade, Oblada, Yoan Moncada. I knew yeah. it was something. Uh, yeah, we, we, know, we know they're all something. Yes. yes. Shoehorning Johan Moncada's name in there, I don't think really works. That's my objection to it. <laughs> but I like the I like the use of Blade's name. Scott's a tough critic. From Eddie, who says that Chris, to do. Chris will appreciate these. Uh, hits from DeGrom. So I, again, it sounds like something. But I, I am not picking <laughs> yeah. it up right now. 19th Mervis Breakdown. This one I know. That's that's three Rolling Stones references in, in one uh, Team Name Tuesday uh, section. So that's pretty good. And this last one's from Wesley. Bryce, Bryce, Bybee. That's pretty good. Very good. We're going to wrap there for Scott and Chris. I am Frank. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.